بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a cloudy Thursday in the great state of New Jersey. People all over the world, they know the weather forecast in New Jersey every day, uh, Monday through Thursday, because that's what we always start off with. You got to have a context. Got to get set the setting. To me, weather is so important. I mean, sun is important. Having a cloudy day every once in a while is good, too, because it makes you appreciate the sun. I remember being with Osama Ken and may Allah have mercy on him. Say, man, you guys are so lucky out there, out here in the Bay Area. It's like 75 degrees every day, sun's out. And he's like, yeah, man, it's so boring. It's like every day, su- sunny and 75 degrees. SubhanAllah, human nature, it just, you have to have change. And that's what I love about this area. Because right around now, I think everyone in the, in the tri-state area would agree with me. Right around now, you go outside and you're like, ooh, it's like a little bit crisper today. Right? Like la- yesterday afternoon, around 4, 5, 6 p.m., I went outside and I felt like the weather is just slightly crisper, cooler than ever before. Hey, Oz, if you come back up, can you uh, fill a Poland Spring bottle or something for these poor plants out here? <sighs> also, so that I know what it thinks they're fakes. You know, people think they're fakes. They're not fakes, they're just taken care of, they're watered every other day. Um, but you start feeling that cool weather, and if you live long enough, you realize that cool weather, Maghrib is in a little bit earlier, that means school's right around the corner, that means getting new shoes, getting new book bag, new classmates, new teachers, all that wonderful feeling of the beginning of the school year, and I always love the beginning of the school year, Right? And first marking period, I always rocked it. I was like, my notes are ready, my schedule's ready, my habits are perfect, my bed is made, everything was good. By the second marking period, I got to start get a bit bored of the whole thing. That's the problem. Slide a little bit. By third marking period, you drag through the third marking period because you know that third marking period is in the dog, those rough days of February, of March. The mid-year break has set in and finished January. Right, and in American psyche, it's the it's Thanksgiving. That's a wonderful time of year. Then the middle of the year, that's that winter break, is the best. And then coming back, there's only one thing in the American psyche to look forward to if you're into that thing, which is the Super Bowl. You know why the Super Bowl is so successful in America? Because everything is dead at that time. Nothing is important. Nothing is happening at that time. They actually dominate. So, but I never used to really care about the Super Bowl until my friends would invite me to these parties and they were like my old friends and I'm like, I'm talking about I'm going to this nonsense, right? And then it would be a family affair. Oh, let's bring the kids. We have some food. We got some sandwiches. Let the, the you know, the, the, the wives get together as friends. All right, fine. I go there and I'm not paying attention at all. Okay. If, but eventually it grew on me, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it grew on me, right? And I started because now, like your your the son, your son's watching, your kids are watching, his friends are watching, so it becomes just a, a bonding thing. In any event, January, February, March, those are the rough, roughest time of the year, in my opinion, because days are short, weather's gloomy. Third marking period, I always just like I, I don't want. I'm, I'm I'm I need either this. I can't do this, right? I was never great in the third marking period, but now. Third market period ends, 
summer, the spring is in the air. And once you feel that the spring is in the air, all of a sudden everything is rejuvenated. I always finished off really strong. Literally, if you go to my school report cards, every single year, it's the same thing, right? It's a, it's a check mark, a reverse. It's like a reverse check mark, right? Anyway, what do you care about my schooling? But I'm just saying this is the, the way things are in the East Coast. It's about to get really nice. The fall is such a beautiful season. If you live up, um, we have a student named Maya Rehab, lives up in the Massachusetts area. Uh, she's you know, a, a young girl, her and her family, they're, they're part of Arcview. And this year, Arcview is going to be really good. Go learn about it and take the classes, okay? Um, and today, we're, you know, beyond going into that, Arcview, we always start in mid-September, we let the school year start and school year roll and everyone get into the school year. Then we start our classes after everyone uh, gets rolling. All right. Today, let's talk about stories of the awliya and Saeed al-Maghribi, Muhammad al-Maghribi, Amr al-Makki. Okay. We're going to read about them. But first, let me send this message off. Okay, of the teachers. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Reading from Ar-Risal al-Qushayriya, which we're about to finish all the biographies here. Sa'id al-Maghribi, entry number 70. Huwa Abu Uthman, Sa'id ibn Salam al-Maghribi. Wahidu zamanihi, very unique in his time. Lam Yusuf qablahu mithlahu. No one was like him, okay, before him. Sahiba ibn al-Katibi. Sahiba ibn al-Katibi. Wa Habib al-Maghribi. Wa Aba Amr al-Zujaji. Wa laqiya al-Nahrajuri. Wa ibn al-Sa'igi. Wa ghayrahum. Mata bin Nishapur. He's a Moroccan. Al-Maghribi, right? Or his parents are Moroccan. And he ended up dying in Nishapur. Wa awsa bi an yusalla alayhi Abu Bakr ibn Fawraq. Ooh. The great Ash'ari scholar, Abu Bakr ibn Furuk. Ibn Furuk, write this name down in the margins of whatever you're doing. Okay. Ibn Furuk is one of the go-to books if you need to know the ta'wilat in the hadith. Uh, of the of ta'wilat of the mutashabih hadith. There are ahadith mutashabih, right? Um, and Nawawi talks about them a lot. Nawawi is one of the go-to places for that too. Nawawi sharhan sahih muslim. What is mutashabih, you may be asking. The word mutashabih has two meanings. Number one, oft repeated. So in the in the realm of hifz Qur'an, memorizing Qur'an, the hufad study the mutashabih, okay? The mutashabihat. What are some of the mutashabihat? For example... Uh, any type of verse that it's exactly the same set of wording or very similar wording such that you ever find yourself reciting one surah then you're not really paying attention all of a sudden you're reciting another surah all of a sudden how did that happen you probably linked onto one of the mutashabihat and then you ended up taking the wrong path to the other surah okay 
So uh, that's mutashabih. But in the realm of aqidah, the mutashabih are, ver- are, are sayings and ahadith that would seem on the literal meaning of it to the face, the, in, in, in the original default and literal meaning of a thing, of zahir, to contradict another uh, pillar, principle of the deen. That's what they call a mutashabih. And in Nawawi, in Sahih Muslim, he covers them. Ibn Hajar in Sharh uh, Bukhari Fath al-Bari covers them. And Ibn Furaq before them, before both of them, covered that. Furaq is fa ra kaf We should actually read some of his books. I wish I had my iPad. I don't have my iPad right now on me. But we should, honestly, um, read some of these books. Ibn Furaq. قال التقوى there's only one quote from him التقوى هو الوقوف على الحدود okay التقوى is really stopping at your limits and there's no value in all this good nice talk about the deen and then we flirt with the boundaries of Allah we got to make toba or otherwise we can become frauds we ask Allah refuge from that okay قال ومن آثار صحبة الأغنياء على مجالسة الفقراء ومن آثر صحبة الأغنياء على مجالسة الفقراء ابتلاه الله تعالى بموت القلب. Listen to this. Is it wrong to be an aspirant businessman to be to aspire for some of the matters of the dunya to try to make a buck? That's not necessarily the problem. What's the problem? The problem is من آثر صحبة الأغنياء على مجالسة الفقراء that you prefer to sit with that crowd of people over sitting with the pious. So that's really what it is. It's not, it's not about sitting with the crowd of business people, millionaires and billionaires. It's not even hard to become a millionaire, right, if you put your mind to it. Um... Sitting with them in, ex- in preference to sitting with the pious and sitting with the righteous. And what do I mean by sitting with the pious and the righteous? Sometimes just the first row in the prayer, sometimes in every mosque, there's like five, six people. They are at every salah. And they're always from all walks of life. Like I know one mosque where one of the people who never misses a salah in the mosque, is also an amazing real estate mogul. Right? He's an amazing real estate guy. This is in New Jersey. He's extremely successful. Okay? But he's also one of these fuqara. And fuqara does not mean financially impoverished. Fuqara here means they know their neediness to Allah. They recognize, we need Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we always... They're always in salah. They're always in those in that gathering, those modest gatherings, the masajid, the first row behind the imam. Okay? So that's uh, something extremely important to recognize, that we cannot forego that group. These are the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes it's a gathering of knowledge. Sometimes it's... Uh, 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 going out for da'wah, whatever it is, sit with them, take from that barakah that they bring down 
by their humility and their ibadah and their pure intention. Next one, Muhammad al-Maghribi. Okay. Okay. Muhammad al-Maghribi. Let's go to him. He says, وَهُوَ أَبُوْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ مُحَمَّدِ بِسْمَعِيلِ الْمَغْرِبِ He also died 299 after the Hijrah, and which equates to 9-11 of the Common Era. Okay. Ustad Ibrahim ibn Shayban وتلميذ Ali ibn Razin عاش سنة تقريبا He died about 100 and He lived about 120 years. Wow. I mean, you know that long life and physical health, I don't necessarily think there's any connection, right? But uh, physical fitness, physical fitness and long life, I don't think there's a connection. Physical fitness and enjoying the last years of your life, there's definitely a connection. Right, so you don't get to choose when you die. There's no such thing as you'll live longer. There's none of that, but you'll live better. If you take care of a car, the great result is the car doesn't break down on you. If you take care of the body, you get the reward. You cannot cheat death. You can't extend life, but at least the last twenty-five years of your life will be better. Some people spend the last twenty-five years of life getting open-heart surgery, limping, having you know the bottles of medicine. Okay, that whole look, the, sh- the shoe box with all the little orange bottles, the nonstop visits to doctors and to hospitals and to, so that's the, the bala, that's ibtila, that's purification of sins at the end of time, uh, end of your days, but it's not something you work for, you work, you work for against that, and today we're going to talk about that, by the way. Here we have one of the Odia living 120 years. What does the last 40 years of his life look like? What does the last 50 years? Imagine this. You're 70 years old. Now, when you're 70 years old, what can't you do anymore? Number one, you're not attractive anymore to anybody. Number two, you're not really going to do anything physical. You're not going to do any heavy physical lifting or movement, right? You can't do a lot when you're 70. Now, imagine you're 70 and is destined you to live another 50 years. That's a lifetime. A, literally a lifetime. That means someone can be born when you're 75 years old. Your great-grandchild will be born. And you will live to see him become a father. And 45 years old. Huh? Probably, and maybe even a grandpa. In the olden days, definitely. By 50, you're a grandpa. Right? Because you get everyone marrying at 20. Right? Even marrying at 30. You'd be a grandpa. Unbelievable. So that's why it is important to put everything where it belongs. Namely, you got to take care of your physical health. Not It's not just you have to take care of it. Most people get turned off by that. You have to take care of it. No. You should want to because you will feel so much better. You'll be able to do so much better. Life is efficient if you take care of this body of ours. Right? It's a ni'mah, so why not use it? Why not take care of it? It's a, it's a great blessing. Okay. So he said he lived about 120 years. Kana ajib al-shatni. He was, his affair was amazing. Lam yakul mimma wasalat ilayhi yadu bani adam sinina kathira. He didn't eat what human beings touched for a long time. And what does he mean by that? He didn't eat from the marketplace. 
because he feared some unlawful wealth or unlawful practices got involved. Okay. As we read here from Ar-Risal al-Qushayriyah. Okay, it's in English too. Uh, the Risal al-Qushayri's uh, epistle, it's called. So he didn't eat mimma wasalat ilayhi yadu bani adam. Sinina kathirat. He, he didn't eat anything humans touched for many years because he wasn't sure if it's lawful or not. He only ate what came out of the earth directly or the animal he raised directly. He started eating different things out of nature that were not normally eaten by people, but he got used to eating it. I think he means here al-awqati. The best of deeds to fill your schedule. Fill the schedule with things acceptable in the sharia. So, busy. Why are youth getting in trouble? They're not busy. I remember going up the elders, the, the uncles, and all the people used to always praise busyness for youth. Young man, you got to get busy. got to stay busy, right? Summertime. Why did they lower the, the, the work age? They shouldn't have lowered it. It's like, what is it now, 16? Right? Eh, it's no good. No good. Okay? People got to work. And it shouldn't be all work either. It should be working. It should be learning. And it should be enjoying your youth before it goes away. Believe it or not, Imam Haddad mentioned this. He said that um, he said that he had a, 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 a tilmid, a student who used to bring his son. He said, I want my son to get used to studying. He said, why don't you let him play? Imam Haddad said, go let him do the things of youth now so he doesn't feel like he missed it later on and then he would desire it later on. That's really important. So, so young people got to do young people things that you have time to do now so that you don't grow up later and say, well, I never did that. Or then you will have your own kids and you can't relate. You ever see some of these people who are like um, prodigies? Prodigies, I don't think they make good parents. I'll tell you who makes a great parent. Regular people who lived a regular life. They make the best parents because they understand the regular desires of a young person. They understand the regular the mistakes of a young person. Like if you're a prodigy and a genius, do you think like someone like Einstein, okay, do you think he was a good dad? I don't think so. He can't be. He, what does he understand about regular people? He's a prodigy. He's, he lived differently than anyone else. And it's not just prodigies. People who's, who are raised differently than everyone else in a negative way or in, in, in any excess. Like some of these parents... They got their kids studying like six, seven, eight hours a day in the summertime. Yes, that kid goes off and he excels better than everyone else, but he will be a terrible dad. He will not be, he will never, he, chances are he won't really relate to youth. He won't know what that life is like. Okay. So that's why like you see the best people and their parents are like totally ordinary people. Right. There's, there's a lot of, um, uh, unique things that can happen in raising a children and a family that is a net positive. Like it's very unique, but it's positive. 
Like I was recently reading about a guy who grew up on a multi-acre farm and had to do all the chores and live that natural life, right? And by the sunset was totally exhausted. He was homeschooled in the day, in the morning. He did homeschool in the morning and then worked on the farm at night. And But he did this with his all his brothers and sisters, so he wasn't lonely. And there were other farmhands there. And there are plenty of animals. So there's a very busy life. Many people say homeschooling, like the limit of it. Yeah, there is a limit that you only deal with the people that you already filter. And that's not necessarily good. It's very good to deal, learn how to deal with people that you didn't filter out or nobody filtered out. That's one of the positives. Um, but it could also be a negative because you could deal with very bad people. But in any event, he lived like that. He came out of that like really good physical habits, physical health, came out there like always sleeps early, always wakes up early because you got to wake up early to do your chores, right? Then do school, then take a nap, then do all the farm work of the end of the day, then be home before dark, have dinner, and you're knocked out because you're so tired. So that was unique, but it benefited him. I had another, uh, I, I read about another set of parents where the dad was from the military. I love this. I, I thought this was great. And he said he, he uh, implemented 10% of the military in his house. Right? You want breakfast? 10 push-ups. Okay? First thing you wake up, you're not eating until your mom witnesses you do 10 push-ups. Right? That's great. That's a great habit. Right? You're getting your kids into gr- they Consistently, his, the, the boys in that family would outdo everybody. Not because of anything drastic, just because of these habits. Uh, you want to eat dinner? All right, you got to do some kind of, there's always something. But that's also, it's one thing, generosity is a nice thing. But also, the idea that you need to actually do something to earn something is also something that is a benefit. So before doing everything, they had to actually earn it. With something that took less than 30 seconds. Literally, what does it take to do 10 push-ups? Like 30 seconds. But it was daily, 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 daily. So they came out. Now, one of them broke. The dad went too far. One of them completely broke. And that's the thing about extreme parents is that they can't treat everybody. They can, the, the 50% of the people won't work. The kids are going to burn them out. And one of them literally broke. He broke. The kid couldn't handle the pressure. But the other thrived on the pressure and became extremely successful, right? And so that's why extremes will always, someone will run away from it and someone will really succeed, will, will really uh, uh, love it. And that's not a good thing. So that's why you're better off not having extremes when you do these things, even if it's unique, but it shouldn't be extreme. Huh? Is he here? Um, our guests. Let's have our guest in about 15 minutes. Okay. He says here, Okay, 
وأعظم الخلق عزا غني تذلل الفقراء وحفظ حرمتهم وكرامتهم He says the worst of the people the most humiliated of the people are the poor that kiss up and make and humble themselves to the rich that is the most humiliated person and the best of people the most noble of the people are the rich who know how to be with the poor without embarrassing them he humbled himself with the poor, okay? And he guarded their honor. What does that mean? You sit with the poor. You have to learn how to sit with them. And for some people who are the super rich, everyone else is poor. Like the super rich can sit with an accountant, a dentist. That's poor to you, to him, right? To the super rich, that's poor. Okay, so the rich who do not know how to sit with the regular people or the poor, they, there's, there's something missing in their character. They need to learn. How do you learn? Well, probably maybe take off that $3,000 suit, put on some regular clothes. That's the first thing. How about not rolling up in your Bugatti? How about roll up in a regular car, even a Mercedes? Fine, it's acceptable. But not in one of these cars that are out of reach so you have there's a clothes there's there's an outfit for everything nobody goes to the gym in wingtips fancy wingtip shoes right you go to the nobody goes to the gym decked out in thousand dollar jewelry women don't go to the gym like that right okay people don't go you go to every place has a thing you know you never see a guy do physical labor with his fanciest watch on. So everything has an outfit. There's also an outfit to sit with regular people. If you're from the super rich, you got to know these things. Okay. What do you bring up? You don't know how to talk. I know some super rich people who are great. They are genuinely great people that just love regular stuff. And as a result, you could sit them down. I'm telling you, I know a guy, this guy's multi-millionaire multiple times over, right? He, he know, you can sit him down with a garbage man. I'm telling you, they'll kick it. They'll know how to talk. He'll know how to chit-chat. He'll know how to talk. And he genuinely, genuinely will just see another guy, right? He understands that wealth is just something Allah gave him. And he lived many, 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 many years of his life as a regular guy. That's the benefit from him. He wasn't born into this wealth. He earned it after years as a regular guy. And that's why he's blessed. And that's why he's good. Next is Amr al-Makki. Wahoo Abu Abdullah, Amr ibn Uthman al-Makki. Laqiya Aba Abdullah al-Nabaji wa sahiba Aba Sa'id al-Kharraz wa ghayra. كان شيخ القوم وإمام الطائفة في أصول في الأصول والطريقة مات في بغداد. He was from Baghdad and he was the sheikh of the people of Tasawuf. قال كل ما تخيله قلبك أو سنح في مجاري فكرتك 
anything that your heart imagines or uh, comes to your thoughts or entered your heart anything that comes into your heart okay Allah is far from that okay so this is at-tanzi كل ما خطر في بالك فالله بخلاف ذلك الله منزه عن الشبيه والنظير anything of beauty of light of anything of of honor of grandeur anything that enters your heart as an image about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a likeness Allah is far from that and this is one of the most important doctrines after tawheed is what we call tanzih okay okay tanzih this is called tanzih or we can call it it's called in um english transcendence allah is transcendent beyond that okay ala tasma'u ala tasma'a qawlahu ta'ala do you not hear what he said? Nothing is like unto him, and he is the most hear, the all hearing, the all seeing. And Allah says he was not born, he did not give birth, and there is none like other unto him. There is none other like unto him. He says here, knowledge is the driver. Sorry, knowledge is the reins. You could say, Qaid here is your map. Knowledge is the map. The navigation system. Fear is the driver. And the nafs is between the two. Okay? It is a tricky creature. The nafs is a tricky creature. Gollum was made to, to symbolize the nafs. Whoever saw Lord of the Rings, Gollum is a character symbolizes the nafs. Okay? Adi S. Adi C. Come on in. Uh... Gollum was somebody who, if you taught him a lesson, if you put him in his place, what does Gollum do? He starts crying. He makes himself a victim. Be careful of the fake victims. But the moment you give him an inch, he takes a mile. Okay? That's why he says, It's trickery. It's tricky. Rawaga. It goes deep it's into things. It likes to go around and do all these different mischievous things. So be careful of our own self. And nafs is our self. Okay? But we do are unique creatures that we're able to be conscious of ourself. The only way that that's happening is that we have multiple facets to ourselves. Okay? That's what's unique about self-consciousness, if you think about it, right? Like your eyes can never see your eyes, right? 
you can't ever see your eyes without having a mirror, right? You can't see your eyes. So how is it that we talk to ourselves? We must have multiple facets to us. That's the miracle of self-consciousness. Animals and dogs are not, I, I don't think that they're self-conscious, right? They don't, the dolphin doesn't, well, we'll never know, right? But in general, the dolphin doesn't sit there thinking about what is life like as a dolphin. How did Allah make me a dolphin, right? First of all, we'll never know that, but that's the assumption. Well, let, well, why don't we look at children? Why do we love looking at children? Because they're not self-conscious. A, ch- a child is never thinking uh, age two, three, and four. When they start talking and they start having a personality, but they don't, their self-consciousness hasn't developed yet. They're just a wonder to look at because they're just, it's pure, right? It's pure. There's no self-consciousness. And it's amazing to see them play with each other because they're, they're, they look like slobs, right? And nobody cares. None of the kids care. No one is self-conscious. And that's why it's beautiful to look at children, okay? So to watch them play and watch them do their thing. And when they talk, he's never trying to be funny, right? He doesn't have the consciousness for that yet. So that self-consciousness is one of something that, and they're, they're, that's one of the places where the scientists will, okay, what's physically different about us? They're all about, well, we're, we're physically no different than anything else. Okay, then but why are we self-conscious then? If we are physically, I remember reading something where if you took a human being and you crushed the human being, right, completely, and you separated out the commercial, commercially valuable elements within the human being, he would sell for no more than 13 bucks. This body is not worth commercially 13 like crushed. It's not worth 13 bucks. As opposed to gold, you can take a gold, a beautiful gold statue, melt it down, and it's still worth a lot of money. That chunk of gold is worth something. Intrinsically has a value. You could take diamonds, crush them up, crushed, you still have some value. But not the human being. So where is that self-consciousness coming from? It's from the nefs. So the nefs is something that can talk to itself. It's such a unique feature, right, uh, of the creation. So he says, beware of it. But, Treat your nefs wisely based upon knowledge. You have, now, young people are not, do not have much knowledge of the nefs. Not because they don't read books. doesn't matter what they read because they've never dealt with it before. So young people, when they get successful, all of a sudden, spend all the money and party all day and all night until the day comes, boom, we hit a wall. Okay? And you realize, oh, okay, all that temptation was no good for us. We thought it was nice, and we thought success could just come to us, but no, all that partying, all that good stuff is bad. Okay? It was not good for us. It ruined us. And sometimes in piety, people get into the dean and they realize that if they hit the gas, good things happen, right? If they, if they push hard in the dean, a beautiful result happens inside of them. So what do they do? They put the pedal to the metal, right? And then watch in six months, they hit a wall, right? In six months, they hit a wall and they burnt out and they're physically exhausted. They lost a lot of the, the zeal. 
and now they're on a downward slide, but they're too tired to stop the slide. That's the thing, right? You looking for this book? It's called the Risala of Qushayri. Qush- oh, for sure. Okay. Uh, they're too tired to stop the downward slide, and that's a scary thing. And you see them slide really hard, right? Well, what happened at the end of that? By the time he gets back up, he learned something. So th- what he's talking about, siyasatul ilm, that knowledge of how to deal with the nafs is not a book knowledge. It's, it's going to be experience. Like, what would you rather have? A guy who's not read a single book on managing a team, but he's managed a team for 10 years, versus the guy who has a PhD in management but never managed a team, right? I, I know a guy who um, set up a company on um, entrepreneurship, right? Training people in entrepreneurship. The guy never made a single company in his life. He doesn't have buck to his name, right? So what, oh, but I, I have a master's. Who cares, right? <laughs> you never have done it. You've never done it. So this nefs thing has to be experienced. You have to have experience. Now, do I have to go through, does every single one of us have to go through the experience? How about we get smart here and we take the experience of others? That is the value and benefit of having a sheikh. That's why we have shiuch. You have a sheikh because the sheikh, he's gone through it all. Not only that, he also has trained others. So he's seen their experience and learned, right? Now, when he comes and tells you, stop here, stop. Stop getting up in the middle of the night for three hours. It's enough. Who did this? Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was Salman al-Farisi with Abu Darja, if I'm not mistaken. Abu Darja entered Islam and Medina. Salman al-Farisi has been living with worshippers, scholars, and mystics of different religions, Christians and Jews, for decades on end. He, is, he knows the nafs, right? He knows the ups and downs of spirituality and the nafs and the ego and rejection and all that. So he said, so Abu Darda's wife, if I'm not mistaken, it's Abu Darda, she complained. She said he fasts every single day. And he prays all night. So he said, okay, I'll take care of him. And they had been companions. The prophet had, or no, they, they were friends. So he said to Abu Darja, let me um, spend some time with you. Huh? Put it up if it works. Uh, he said, ha, let, me, let me spend time with you. He said, okay. He, Salman al-Farisi was older. So it came time for Abu Darja to wake up for tahajjud, Salman al-Farisi said, no, sleep. He said, some time later, he woke up, and he said, no, sleep. Okay. Third time, he said, okay, now we'll get up. Gets up for tahajjud. They pray a little bit. Then he goes, good, suhoor. He said, what's this? He said, suhoor. He said, no, we're not fasting today. Okay. So, he basically measured him. He put him to the middle because if you go up with that, if you run up the mountain, the problem is when you slip and you get tired, there's no way to put the brakes on when you're slipping downwards, right? And you need the energy to stop the downward spiral, okay? 
And so that is where what he's talking about here, siyasatul ilm, you know how to, if you know how to deal with your nafs, then hopefully you'll be able to learn how to, do, let's get rid of that gold because it's a clash there. Yeah. You know how to deal with your nafs, you'll be able to deal with other people's nafs, and you'll be able to deal with, uh, to, to, to be a murabbi and realize this is enough. Okay. And oftentimes the youth, they don't like it. The youth, they want to hit, put the pedal to the metal, right? Everything. Grow a beard, first of all, this big. It's got to be this big. Anything less is weak, all right? Clothes, I don't care. I'm going to shop right in Trader Joe's. Turban, doesn't matter. Boom, let's go. All 100%. Okay, that's nice for a week. Listen, cool it down, learn. This is not going to work forever. School, No. Quitting school. What are you doing? I'm doing hivs. I'm going to the sign up for a program out in the middle of nowhere. Hold on a second. This is good for you in your imagination, but your knowledge is so weak about the ego. You're going to collapse from this stuff. So that's the kind of con the concept we're talking about here of siyasatul ilm. And I'm telling you, the people who have a sheikh, those people, they don't have those blunders. Just like you have a driver, just climb a mountain, you have to have a trainer. It says, pause here. Eat. Don't eat this. Eat this. Right? You know that they, when they, when they do these long hikes, they, they, try, they don't eat a lot of red meat. You know why? Because it's an inefficiency regarding going to the bathroom. Right? They don't want, to, they don't want your stomach to be so heavy. Right? All that stuff. So this is siyasatul ilm. Wasqiha bi tahdeed al khawfiyatim walakamaturid. Constantly remember that everything bad, every sin is associated with something bad. You cannot possibly commit sins and no, nothing bad happens. So remember that. There is never a point where you have reached some level, a good level, where you never get a blowback from your sins. Doesn't matter who you are. Right, there will be such, there will be a kind of blowback. Okay. Uh, before we get to our guests, Omar, can you read us what the chart says? Yes. Uh, yep. Very nice. Okay, so the first one is the human. I see you. You WhatsApped it to me. The human soul, the spiritual heart, and nafs is the hedonistic self, and it has in the heart. You have a nafs and you have aq. Okay. Now, many times people discuss where are these? Are they the one and the same thing? It, does it make a difference? Think about this. Let's ask this question. Does it make a difference? Where is the heart? Where is the ruh? Where is the nafs? Where is the aq? What difference does it make? Right? It's all there. Okay. So, but it's all, some people say it's different facets of the same thing. Others say it's a whole different thing. I don't know best. I personally think different facets of the same thing. So now the critical self is the moment you realize that your own self is the problem and it has to be fixed. That is the moment you enter a nafs al-lawama. Now you have separated between the two. I have an intellect, I have a self. I can examine myself critically. Third one, a nafs al-mutma'inna, okay, is when you your intellect has dominated over your 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 nafs 
Your nafs now is like a horse that moves exactly how the intellect tells it to move. And that's what I said many times. We are a people whose intellect drives our ego, not the other way around. On our intellect and knowledge, truth, okay, drives our emotions, not the other way around. So that if intellect tells me love such and such because they rationally, they deserve to be loved, okay? Honor so-and-so because it deserves to be honored. Then I do it. Hate such and such. I have to learn how to hate it. Yeah, we should hate certain things, okay? Uh, do you like alcoholism? Do you like rape? You have to hate certain things. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest, and this guest knows more than anybody else how the intellect has to drive the body, and your nefs will say no, but your mind has to say keep going, keep going, keep going, but he also, as a trainer, and as someone who's done it, knows the levels, right? Pushing too hard, oh, you're going to get an overuse injury. You're going to get bored. You're going to get sick of it. And if you go too little, uh, it's useless. We have with us here an old childhood friend, Ahmed Fahmi, from the state of New Jersey. He's from North Jersey, okay? Big family from North Jersey. And, and he ended up moving around, actually, living in London. Now lives in Turkey. But right now he's in North Jersey, and he joins us here as our uh, fitness correspondent. <laughs> we always got to be involved in physical fitness, even if it's 20 minutes a day. I told you before about 114.1. Here's the founder, and he's going to talk to us about fitness in general and about the program. Ahmed Femi, welcome to the Safina Society, Nothing But Facts live stream. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Shadi. Uh, First of all, where are you? I am... Somewhere in Parsippany, I think. And how far? Oh, yeah. See, I asked him if he could come on this morning <laughs> today, and he said, no, I'm out for a run. I said, that's perfect, right? You're like playing the part right now. So uh, this run of yours, this specific run, how long was it? Do you count anymore? You know, I count. This, I'm 10 miles in, and I have 10 miles left. Okay. Is this something that's a regular? Because that's a marathon, essentially. Yeah, it's... Uh... It, it, it is almost a marathon, but it's part of my regular weekly routine. So you do this once uh, but, a week? Well, I do this distance twice a week. Twice a week. And yeah, is yeah. that all you do right No, now? no. No, I, I don't. I, I also cycle. I lift weights. I, I swim. I do a bunch of things. Okay. Now, um, in, in your routine, what do you say about a person who devotes 25 minutes a day? To physical fitness, I say that's perfect. Will they I, I get results? They, they will absolutely get results. It's you know, it's subhanallah. Everything you said while I was listening is exactly right. You know, it's the, the person who doesn't get results is the one who starts gets excited. Let's just say they hear I did twenty miles, and then they go and they run ten miles and they get injured and that, that's it. Yeah. But the per, the person who does twenty five minutes, what ends up happening is what you can do in those 25 minutes becomes more and more. So uh, you, might be able to, you might be able to do one mile in 25 minutes, but then your body adapts, and then you can do two miles. And, and then eventually it's, it's not enough, and you, you want to do more and more and more. And so the name of this particular game is consistency. That's mm. just all it is. 
I mean, so you you knew me from college. I was the least athlete. You you were the athlete. I I wasn't the athlete. Yeah. I was in uh, I was in the computer center, you know, in Livingston, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> doing the overnight shift, and it's and it all started with one slow mile. And but one one thing I did do. Well, actually, there's two things I've always done to keep me consistent. I've always had a a sheikh, a coach. Mm. I I've always had a uh, a sheikh of running, a sheikh of triathlon. Yeah, someone that would guide me from overuse injuries, from yeah. going too overboard in anything. You know, following the whole five you know, the five percent rule. You don't go over five percent every week. Uh, in terms of increasing what you do. Yeah. And so the worst thing somebody could do is try to emulate what I'm doing now after 17 years of doing this consistently. Yeah. One of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to be like, that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm that's got to work. Or you're going to, your nefs, or as I call it, your inner loser, will give you an excuse not to do something. Yeah. Or, or you might do too much and get hurt. Let me ask you a question. A lot yeah, sure. of people are very hesitant and nervous around the idea of a mentor and a coach. Yeah. So they feel, oh, he may push me too hard. Oh, I'm, I'm an adult now. I may just quit on him when I feel like it, right? How did you yeah. get yourself to really stick to the mentor? And it may have to be also the skill of the mentor to keep you with him. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, it's a really good question. Not every mentor or every coach works for everyone. Yeah. You know, you know, you, you have to find the one that works for you. So I, I had hired a world-class, very famous coach, but his approach didn't work with me. I mean, he was too, uh, just take from a Sufi, he was too Jalali, you mm. know? I, I need a mixture of Jalal and Jamal in He my was coach. too pushy. He was too, not just pushy, he was too intense in terms of, he, I mean, he was a former Olympic athlete and that's the only mode he understood. He didn't understand that, you know, I have children, I have a career, I have ah, other things. Subhanallah. Amazing so you say he, this. I yeah. don't want to cut you off, but you guys no, all remember. You, you remember what I just said that prodigies don't make good dads. Mm. Prodigies don't know what regular life is like. They don't know what regular youth is like. They don't know what um, normal life is like, right? Likewise, here you get an Olympic athlete, did nothing his whole life, very entitled life. He doesn't know what regular life is like, so he's not a good coach, at least for, for a regular person like ourselves. Exactly. I mean, he, he uh, if you missed a workout, it was the end of the world for him. Now tell him, you know, my children are sick. He's like, that's no excuse. Yeah. Uh, and all of that. Kind of, but ultimately, you find the sheikh or the coach that works for you. And the fact that you're also paying them money, you know, we, we are lucky, you know, I don't, like, for example, if I find a, an actual, if I'm going to be a murid to a sheikh, for example, I'm not going to pay him money. But with these people, some of them, it's very hard to get them to take you even as a, a coachee. Yeah. Uh, and and they, will, they will weed things out. They will weed people out so that they only coach those who they believe are going to do what they say. And the other thing is they're generally not cheap. So you're... You almost feel you're you're fearing losing this person, and you're paying money. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, that that raises the level of accountability. And, and tell, so, uh, mm. go ahead. Do you still have a coach after all these years? I, I have a coach in everything I do, whether so, it's um, swimming, 
whether it's in business, whether it's in spirituality, I have two things that, because I am not a disciplined person by nature. I, I am not, despite what people think. I need two things. I need a tribe and I need a coach. Yeah. I, I need sohba and I need a coach in, in, me, in, in me being able to do anything. So in yeah. everything I do, whether it's an ultra running, triathlon, swimming, business, spirituality, I have a coach in all of those endeavors. Have you become and a I coach? A, I, I wouldn't call Professionally, I'm a coach in, in business. And uh, amateur-wise, I coach those who are trying to get into endurance athletics. But once they reach a point, I can no longer coach them. And, and I'll, I'll hand them off to an actual professional coach. I see. So, so you're like a muqaddim, what they call a muqaddim. A muqaddim, <laughs> someone who introduces the person to the field. And then once you are mature at the intermediate level... Then you pass off to, to the real sheikh after that. That's exactly. I, I am here to get people to do things, whether yeah. it's memorize, to get their foot in the door and, and being outside, fitness, health, nutrition, yeah. uh, and, and then passing them off to those. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm a muqaddim, or I yeah. aspire to be one. So uh, it, when you do all this running, most people cannot fathom how it happens simply because they live a little bit differently. Let's say someone's a school teacher. Yeah. Like their day is from 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. Then if they have their family and their kids, you're already, it's already dark by the time they yeah, get yeah. five minutes, right? Of yeah. free time. So how do you get, what advice do you have for the person whose schedule is just packed all the way? You know, the, the first thing is, unless you're Elon, yeah, you have time. I, I I, in my professional side, coach very, very, you know, A-type entrepreneurs who have built massive businesses, incredibly busy, and they do iron. Yeah. Everyone has time. I, I, I don't buy, and anyone who tells me they're busy, I ask them for their phone, and I look at their, you know, their usage on their iPhone. I say, okay, so based on this, you have 60 hours a week you're looking at your phone, or 40 hours a week you're looking at your phone. You can become an Olympic-level athlete in that time. So I, whether it's a teacher, whether, I believe everyone has time. But having, having said that, I think, you know, I've always thought balance is a myth. It's very hard to balance. I, I believe in integration. And so, for example, my long runs generally include one of my children. Okay. Whether it's pushing one on a stroller or pulling one, like attaching a bungee cord to my back and pulling one on a scooter. And, and, it's, it's one of the best times I actually interact with my children because I'm, I'm, physically, I'm physically and mentally there. Yeah. And, and so I, I believe whether a school teacher or anyone, you can make time for, for either fitness or in the case of 114, fitness and memorization. I also think that time is always an excuse that is really a reflection of lack of desire. So as a coach, one of the best things to do in anything is the ability to stoke desire and yeah. the best coaches in, in any realm, whether it's sports or, or shiu is the ability to stoke within a person desire for the outcome. Absolutely. Right. And then it's about building the habit that will inevitably produce that outcome rather than shooting for the outcome. And then you're like, all right, I got the outcome. I made it. What do I do now? That's a problem too. So yeah. how, well, how do you initially stoke that desire in people to 
uh, get the result? I, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, and everyone is different, but what works for me and works for other people is to actually create a goal. Because, you know, whether it's an outcome or a goal, like I'll give you an example. If you say, um, I, I, I want to get fit, it's really hard to change the behaviors to get fit. But if you say, okay, I'm getting married in six months, I want to be in good shape before I get married. Yeah. All of a sudden you have the impetus to get in shape. Or, uh, or if you can do a half marathon and you've registered and you've socially told people, the impetus then to change the behaviors, it becomes a lot easier. It, it, it takes away a lot of the friction from actually doing the work required to do it. So I'm a big believer in setting the outcome mm-hmm. and then and then from there doing cornering the work yourself. to get to the outcome. Exactly, cornering yourself. You know what I used to drive the people at MBIC crazy? I used to drive them nuts. I used to announce a program without any thought, without any discussion, without anything. I used to announce it, right? And it will make everyone crazy. Hey, we never sat for a discussion. We never did this, that, and the other. I was like, well, now we're stuck with it, right? The poster's out there, right? Now we have to do it, right? It's the fear of the discussion. I have this fear of the discussion, right? I I, I totally am afraid of the discussion because there's a high likelihood that we will, someone in the room will use their brain to show everyone else how scary this is, how impossible it is, and we will leave the meeting 50% 50% chance we're not doing the program, right? Exactly. I mean, we, we are, as, a, as an Ulma right now, we, we don't believe in calls to action. Just like you, you described the call to action. We have this thing that's going to happen. Yeah. We, like, we, we don't call up calls to sitting down and talking. You know, like yeah. I always think to myself, you know, in Sidon Muhammad's, I don't know if you can say lowest points, and you're going to have to correct me because I'm the furthest thing from a shift, but when he, get, when he gets the revelation and he's terrified and his wife's arms Allah says you know come mm. stand you know act. Like, like that's the ultimate act yep. act you know don't talk don't you know act stand in, you know he's, he's sitting cradled and he's saying stand yeah and so I, I really believe that's why when you told me you're on a run talk yeah. my initial reaction my, my inner loser my nest was like no 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 I, I can't talk to these people. you know I'm running I can't but then I caught <laughs> myself I was like yeah. you know I have a call to action act yeah there is one A. I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. It says, "Surah Al-Kaf." Uh, qamu faqalu Rabbana. They stood up, then yeah. they made du'a. Exactly. And Imam Al-Haddad comments on this concept, saying that Allah will not answer your du'a until you start acting yourself. Right? You got to take it yeah. in action. Which is one of the biggest differences between talking about doing and actually doing. Exactly. Right? So, uh, I, I believe personally that you, you, a person needs to have a motivation. And the motivation, sometimes like the end result, could be the goal or something. But then the best, the best philosophy for an organization, for a person, for a family, whatever, is that the goal should be the habits... Absolutely. That will pro- inevitably produce multiple championships, right? Exactly. I yeah. always tell people the goal of the goal is not the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the goal of the goal is the behavior changes re- that you get as a person or organization to meet the goal. Yeah. So for you, for you, for example, to be an ultra endurance athlete, yeah. you know, run a hundred miles, run two hundred miles, 
you have to stop things and you have to start things. Mm. And, and that that's where 114 came from. You know, it's like, what, what's the Islamic version of a triathlon yeah. that requires you to stop and start? And I like the, the thing that people fear most is at this, especially in our age, is memorization. So yeah. if I if I couple memorization of suwar and longer suwar with the, you know, what what behaviors do you have to stop and what behaviors do you have to start to memorize the surah? Like, yeah. who do you have to become to become a hafiz in your forties when it's when every inkling in your body is telling you no? Yeah, and it's it's almost like if you tell people uh, that that mountain, it's too scary. But if you say to somebody, actually sit down set a timer right and just listen to the same passage of quran listening that's it for 15 minutes but you do this every single day how easy is that if he's just listening right and then you start getting it rolling and then it's one suit after the next then it's one recitation after the next and so uh this is one of the things your organization is working on now let's talk about that the website is 114.1. Where, where are the digits here? It's O-N-E. Uh-huh. The number 14. 14. O-N-E. Dot O-N-E. I didn't know that dot one is a thing. Did you invent that? No, no, I found it. Because <laughs> you are a, uh, in a real life, you're yeah. a technologist. Yes. Okay, no. so... Tell tell everybody what is one fourteen focusing on the our audience is mainly out of England, out of Europe, out of outside of Jersey, and they might want to be involved. So how would they get involved? Firstly, what is it, and then how would they get involved? Yeah, so it, it's it, it was born, I would say, during actually a long run, as a lot of my ideas come from where. You know, as I started running longer and longer distances, you know, from multiple marathons and things like that, I started and, and getting into Ironman. Like, what, what would the Islamic equivalent, like what would a, a race targeting Muslims look like? And um, I thought I different formats and then eventually landed on memorization because it's so difficult. You know, it's so mentally difficult. It's actually not difficult. The idea of it is very difficult. It's yeah. like if you tell, tell somebody do an Ironman, they go, I'm so scared of swimming in a lake for an hour and a half. Yep. Although, ironically, it's the easiest part, believe it or not. Yeah. And so the idea was born. And so I started thinking, what would the format be? What would the entry-level race be? And it became what we call the kingdom, which is memorizing Sutra Kef and running three miles. And then mm-hmm. the next, next level, we memorizing Sutra Yasin and running six miles, and then memorizing Surat uh, Al-Kahf, which you mentioned, and running a half marathon, then memorizing Surat Al-Araf, uh, and running a full marathon, and then the highest level became memorizing Surat Al-Baqarah and running 50 miles. Yeah. There's a secret level above that, but you, ha- you unlock that by doing certain <laughs> things. <laughs> there, yeah, nice. there is a higher level, we call yeah. the Prophets the Hajjud. But you, you can qualify only by doing the, the last race. And you, and you can do it anywhere. So we have two, we try to launch a new location every year. Um, but you can do it virtually anywhere. Well, and we have people in London. We have, pe- we have 30 people in Egypt that did it last time. Uh, and there's a way in which you summa uh, and a way in which you run virtually. 
And what, what I've tried to do is similar to what I said in the beginning is create a tribe of people, a sahaba around you who are doing the same thing, who are encouraging you, giving you tips, keeping you accountable, um, expose you to people who can coach you, etc. So it's not just creating the race. It's also creating the content and the community to help you complete the race and, and help you overcome the fears of memorization, which is probably the biggest fear in 114 is this idea of memorization really really scares people you know the beauty of memorization is it doesn't take much intelligence it just takes diligence and it takes um a type of stubbornness and one of the reasons i liked about you know this aspect of fitness is that if you can walk you can chances are you can walk fast chances are you can walk uphill right so it's just, and, and walking, incline walking in itself is a great exercise that will lose you a lot of weight, right? So hips is really no different. In the same way, you're just moving your legs, right? Hips, you're just repeating something. Anyone can repeat anything, right? It's really not that intimidating if you think about, if you break it down to atomically, what actually are the atoms and the protons and the neutrons here? Nothing other than a nonstop repetition of a word, right? So uh, I, I think they both go great together. We have a lot of listeners out of L- London. How can they contact the London tribe? If you just um, email the, there's an email on the website, and there are people out of London that do this race. And what, what's happening organically is that there are people coming together to uh, um, uh, run together and memorize together so we can put you in contact with them via whatsapp okay good and they can contact you on the website 114.1 yeah yeah, yeah yeah and if you register and again I, I i encourage you if this idea is interesting to you you know register don't yeah. overthink it you know register um we have a code right now called sohba just use the code sohba and i'll give you i think 25 percent off nice and it'll expose you. To, it'll expose you to an entire community of people who are memorizing. There's a WhatsApp group of people who are memorizing and, and running and encouraging each other. We have, and it's really amazing. I mean, I'll give you an example. There's one story of a, a, a surgical resident out of Maryland who just found out about the race by the web, and he finished a 30-hour. He finished a 30-hour surgical res- shift. Then he ran the 50 miles. Whoa! He ran the 50 miles, and he, and and. and and, and, and when he recited the Bakra, I think had three mistakes in all, the whole Bakra. But the beauty of it was he didn't think he could do it. So other people from Maryland in 114 found out where he was, drove to him, and paced him to the finish. Wow. You know, there's, uh, there's a, a young lady who is 13, I believe, who, did, who memorized Al-Araf and ran the marathon. Wow. And so How old there, is she? there's 13. Oh, okay. SubhanAllah. Yeah. And so, the, the, and then there are, you know, my father who's 81, who just walked it. I mm. mean, there's, you have, you have the tants and you have the elite athletes and you have the young folks, you know, you have people who are rocking it. You don't necessarily have to run it. Yeah. Uh, but showing up is a big deal. That's it. Showing up. It's yeah. all about showing up. And, and I think there, there's, there's value to the impetuous nature of some people that um, don't want to have a discussion and want action. And, uh, there, there, you, you gotta be very afraid of thinking. 
because yeah. thinking Absolutely. you will your mind your nerves will use your brain to think you out of action and that's why thinking is a problem right and uh uh thinking in that location in, in that time is a problem now let me ask you another controversial question sure treadmill versus being out in the road always out in the road but is there... i'll tell you why yeah i'll tell you why i i just think can you hear me yeah we good uh so it's interesting. I'm getting a call from Sheikh Yassin while I'm talking to Sheikh Shadi. Wow. Like a... <laughs> Brothers, I'm this got... is Sheikh Yassin's family's older brother, by the way. For, for those who may not have realized that from the name, but Sheikh Yassin Fahmi is always on Celebrate Mercy. He's from New Jersey, North Jersey, um, and his organization is called Prophetic Living, and this is his older brother. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Talk to me. Uh, so I, I believe yeah. that we are a tradition that needs to be outside. That, you know, it's a kersa that we're always inside. You know, we, you know the, Buy my shoes. the revelation came in the mountains. That's why the logo of 114 is the mountains with the Quran in the middle. And whenever I am down, whenever I am stressed, when I, I always go out. You know, I'm always out. And so I'm a big believer that being home is, you know, like the Bedouins say, the graves of the living. So mm. I will always err on the side of being outside and being in nature. I feel better. I and, and ideally with other people, you know. And now, having said that, I do like the treadmill for uh, some track work. But what do you I mean by always, track work? You know, you you get you get faster by doing intervals of hard and easy. Oh, I see. Okay. You shouldn't. You should never be in the middle, as opposed to us as a you know as a people, or people of the middle. You should never train in the middle. You should yeah. you should oscillate between very easy and very hard. And so when you when you're doing those kinds of efforts where you're running intensely for three minutes and then walking for three minutes to recover, treadmill is really good for that. Uh, when I'm babysitting, you know, or I'm with my children, obviously treadmill, and I have to watch all of the children. Then the treadmill becomes ideal because so. You're home. Be around me. Yeah, I'm home. And it's also for uh, inclement weather. Inclement right? weather. Although even the inclement weather, I like to be out. You know, and that's a function of training in the UK. You know, there yeah. is no. It's, they, they don't say there's no bad weather, just bad. You know, bad clothing options. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: If someone did uh, treadmill and out in the road, what's the percentage of the tread itself? removing the benefit from the run like is it removing 10 percent or 40 percent the rule of thumb with the treadmill if you want to mimic the road is to keep it on the incline of one at the very least okay okay yeah and so uh, that that kind of i think offsets the difference okay i see good 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 all right this has been very good now the event is september so it's september there's September, the virtual event is September 16th and 17th. For those okay, in New good. Jersey, there's one, you know, there's like a flagship race in North Jersey, which we're hoping you're going to show up at. I'm uh, coming on September 16th. It's on my schedule. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And then, so it's the Quran days on Saturday and then the runs on Sunday. But you can do it virtually anywhere in the world. And you'll, you'll see there'll be a bunch of people doing it in Turkey, in Egypt, in Dubai, in Texas. And then there's another in-person race in Maryland in October. So in-person uh, is September 17th. 
Yeah, it's it's so the the Quran day where they're like they have like lectures on Quran. It's really fantastic, beautiful day. Plus the tasmiya is on Saturday, then the yeah. runs on Sunday, and your score is a combined score of both. So we have a system. So for example, there's a, like an almost semi elite athlete last year that lost to a, a normal person because a normal person had perfect tasmiya. Oh, you keep so, score. Oh no, there's a score and there's winners and there's everything. I didn't and, realize that. Okay. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. No, there, there, no, there are people who are in it to win it. You know. That's and, really good. And so you, you, there's a, you get a combine, you get a Quran score, a running score, which is your time, and the combination of both gives you your one fourteen score. Oh, I see. I see. That's pretty smart. That's very smart. And the tasmia is is you're you're out of a hundred, and then you t- you lose points for the tasmia, right? For the Quran. So, Something very exact, something very okay. similar to that. And yeah. then, um, and then the the fastest, the the running, the the numbers is easy because that's basically yeah, exactly the yeah. fastest one. Okay, so we good. have a whole system that scores and stack ranks people, and there are people who care a lot about that, and there are people yeah. who just want to show up, yeah, which is and that's just good. and just take part. And the one yeah. one thing we say is that even if you have half the surah memorized, still show up. Don't let perfection be the enemy of good. Come even if you have. Even yeah. if you're going to walk it and you have a fourth of the Surah Memorized, still come. Yeah, yeah. All right, very good. I hope to see people there. Kick. And I hope Inshallah. that our guys here on uh, on the live stream, if you want to be part of this, go to 114.1. There are a lot of people out of London, okay, doing this. There are a lot of people. So in London, we need to hook you up with the Karima Foundation. They love this kind of thing, right? They're all about I, this. I, and we need to hook you up with Ansar, Sheikh Ansar. Yeah. Please I'm, do. I, and, I, I, and I lived there for 12 years, so I, I speak London. Yeah, so he, <laughs> he lived there in London. So yeah. if you are out of London, if you know Sheikh Ansar, if you know the Karima Foundation guys, send this their way. I'm telling you, they will love this kind of thing because they're practical organizations that want to engage people at a level that is very useful for their life more so than just theory, right? So um, I guess we're going to have footage and we're going to update. Now I'm, I'm stuck now because I just said it. Uh, we're going to have footage. I'm a, I'll take my family there. They'll all get the footage of us running, right? And then we put, if it works out, we put on the live stream. So you get the evidence, the Qatay evidence that we did it. Right, that would the, be great. <laughs> all right, so we'll let you get right. back to your the next ten miles, inshallah. Uh, and we'll have you on every once in a while as a fitness I'd correspondent, inshallah. I'd love that. All right, Zakalah Khaira, thank you so much. Okay. No problem. Right. All right, Omar, let's get his uh, picture on the thumbnail too. Tell the thumbnail guys put his picture on there. They're probably going to want to clip it out and put it for their organization, right? Uh, One fourteen. Dot one to spread the news to 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 get everybody uh, uh, on board with this, and to to make it happen because, you know, we got to stay busy and we got to stay healthy, and and especially in this day and age, the whole world is sitting. I used to think only the the ulama are sitting. No, everyone's sitting. It is sitting. Everyone's sitting. Speaking of action, we have a whole nother segment here. It's not a long segment, but listen to this. Can you shout out La Cocina and the Back to School Drive? Okay. Go to lacocina367.org, everybody. Lacocina367.org. 
dot org. And if you're on Instagram, go to at La Cocina 367. Why is 367? Is it a special verse in the Quran? It is secret uh, Sufi numerology. It's the address of the building. 367 is the address of the building. La Cocina is a very common name. It just means the kitchen in Spanish. Okay. And the kitchen is a place where all good things happen. Right? Think about this. Hey, what, the good things happen in the kitchen. Food is made. Food is eaten. Food is shared. Conversations happen. Discussion happens. We transmit our beliefs, our politics, our manners, and a lot of knowledge to our children. Where? At the kitchen table. How about adab? Most adab revolve around food. Right? The adab of sharing. The adab of not overeating. The adab of cleaning your mouth. Don't eat with your mouth full. With adab always comes submission. Right? And for the parent, the kitchen is a place of learning sabr. Right? Because you got to learn. Hold on. I can't correct 10 out of 10 things. Right? The kid's going to go crazy. I got to have sabr. Pick your battles. You got to learn how to engage everyone at the table. The kitchen is a place where you know if something's troubling somebody. Because if someone's not talking, right? If someone's not um, eating, you know something's wrong. The kitchen is where the therapy begins, right? It's where you get to know the state of everybody else. So the kitchen is one of the most, the, it's one of the most wonderful things and one of the most wonderful feelings. So, that's why we called it that. And our goal by 2030, seven days a week dinners. It's going to be a big team. That's going to be a, str- a sturdy building. It'll be used seven days a week. And I think we're going to cap it off at 100 people a week. Right? We have to cap it off. Yesterday we had 150. 150. SubhanAllah. Yesterday we... we burst through our past record with 150 human beings came to us to get a bite of food. Subhanallah. And this all started way back in the year 2016, I believe, where we would go out and we, I'm telling you, we started with 10 hamburgers. We went off and it was after thicker night and I knew we were going to do it. And I'm like, all right, everyone, I took a, Kufi off someone's head and I said everyone put empty your pockets in this we're gonna go and we're right after this thicker we're gonna go out down and we're gonna buy a bunch of hamburgers and we're gonna hand them out and we did that it was cold it was January I think it was December it was cold we didn't know what we were doing we we're just walking around looking for homeless people eventually after a few months of that we fe- we got into a groove and that's the beauty of it and we still do this Ennis and Harris still do this where there's a corner between the Walgreens and the park in New Brunswick. And Sam's Chicken's on the other side, Halal. And, um, and that we, that's our area now. And Ennis would open up his truck, blast the Adhan, people would come. We'd give out the food, right? And certain families in the community, they would, they would, they would cook their food and they would pour in a container just three or four or five containers. That's it, right? That means, like, imagine you had an extra kid in the house. Just that. But you do that every day. That's five containers. You drop it off at Juma. And as comes, gets it from Juma, and now they do, and they and they go do the run. And I said, guys, eventually, we want to bring the people to us rather than coming out. It's not efficient. We need to have a waqf. We need to have a building and bring the people to us. And that's what we do now. And, and mashallah, we hit another milestone, another record. 
150 people came to the Cosina last last night. Mashallah. And we want uh, to replicate this seven days a week. Okay? Seven days a week. All right. Every night, there's no excuse for anyone to go hungry in this area when Muslims are there. That's what the mentality should be. If Muslims are here, no one's go hungry. That's that's how we should be. We haven't done our job in the United States, if that's the case, because we all came here not as blue-collar laborers like England, not as people who are miskeen themselves in England. We came here as engineers and doctors and, and lawyers. I'm talking about my generation, Muslims have been, or my parents' generation, Muslims have been there before us, them, right? Okay, There have been Muslims here before that. But I'm talking about our generation, our culture, the dominant culture of Muslims today in America is this, is that you came here, you got highly educated, and you got highly wealthy, if that's, if that's even an expression. It's disgusting, the concept that we have a, a deen that is all about feeding. Where there is a masjid, if there is an, a, a, an impoverished part of town within five miles... It should be the imperative of that masjid to buy a little property, just buy a shack. Seriously, just buy a shack. Rent it out even. Buy a shack. You got these mega masajid. I'm telling you, I go to some of these places, right? And I tell them, you disgust me. You literally disgust me, right? Because it's a mega, it's a, the, the, the chandelier by itself. If you sold these three chandeliers, you'd buy a house in the hood. In the poor part of town, right? Buy a house there. Every one of you, from the families in this mosque, every day or at least once a week, get one container. That's it, just one container. And fill it, a container this big. Fill it and cover it. You can buy all the containers from Amazon for like $3. And bring it to the masjid every Friday. Every Friday, one volunteer goes, takes it to the house. And then it's distributed, Right? So easy. Allah is going to bless you if you do this. We only have time for one or two questions, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. We got some people in Houston as out of the question thrown outside. Yeah, of course. But is it going to be cold uh, that hot in September? That's my question. In Texas, is it that hot in September? That's my question. Because September, should things are still hot in the beginning, but towards the end, maybe they cool off. Okay. The hard part is taking action 100%. That's why you got to do it without thinking. It's almost like that shaitan is going to come when you give charity. The Prophet said 70 shaitan will come and stop you. How are they going to stop you? They're going to give you rational reasons or seemingly rational reasons not to give sadaqah. Okay. I'll say it again. If there is a mega masjid and you have an impoverished part of town five miles away, you disgust me. You are disgusting. You are selfish. For 60,000 bucks, you could rent a place. You could buy a place. Right? Put there, mega masjids, you disgust me. That's the timestamp. Okay? Because it's selfish. You are selfish, right? Stomachs walking around full, 
And the Prophet ﷺ said, your neighbor's stomach is empty. Okay? It is not so hard. We will, as Muslims, I'm telling you, make a humongous difference in the country if we just act upon this one thing. Every masjid have to have a little soup kitchen. It's not that hard, right? They said, oh, how do you register? What, register? Register what? Oh, what is this thing that they're doing? It's a house invitation. I own a house and it's an invitation. I don't have to register for this, right? I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need to register for this. Oh, uh, are you a registered soup kitchen? That's what you're worried about. That's what you're worried about. No, um, I own a home. Safina Foundation owns a home. And we're having a dinner party. What's wrong with that? I don't need a registration for this. And you're worried. See, I'm telling you, shaitan comes and messes with people's head. That's what you're worried about. Are you officially registered to call yourself a soup kitchen? Oh, really? Can you show me somewhere in the archives of the news that someone went to jail by calling itself a soup kitchen when it was not officially registered as a soup kitchen? Please. Okay, fine. Call it some whatever you want to call it. Asking tips for someone who's suicidal and depressed. Oh, inna wa inna Maybe you call contact the Khalil Center. Okay. Contact the Khalil Center if you're suicidal depressed. And maybe even contact 911. Like you need to protect yourself from yourself. Okay. Um oh my goodness. Martinelli has got it down. If you had a soup kitchen and a basketball court, game's over. Game's over. Game's over. That is perfect, okay? Um, you know that some people say, oh, you say this stuff, you disgust me, it's harsh, it's rude. No, it's not. That's just how we are over here. It's not harsh or rude, okay? It's facts, right? And and, and people got to move. Well, at least we got your attention. facts. Right? Can you get uh, Ahmed's face on the thumbnail? Can you tell them? We didn't, you know that we don't even know who's making the thumbnails. Me and Omar are sitting here, and it's Noah. getting uploaded. Huh? I think it's Noah. Uh, is it Noah? Yeah. We don't have a good picture of him. That's issue. Um, look him up. Or just take a screenshot. Yeah, but it wasn't good, though. Yeah, they never came out. I read Warren Buffett was like that. He used to come home and literally step over his crying child and go into work mode. Um, I don't know, know what that's all about, that comment, the context, but from Jay Perez, who is a regular commenter here, but, you know, workaholics is a very dangerous thing. You know that? Workaholic is a very dangerous thing. Obad al-Fulus. That's what they are. Obad al-Fulus. They worshippers of money. Like, I love the concept of productivity is one thing. But productivity, who's telling us what's valuable? Right? Who is telling us what's valuable? Like, I don't like to waste a moment of time. It's just, it, it, it disgusts me to waste time. Right? Even rest is calculated. Rest is calculated. Even downtime is calculated as a benefit with your family or something. If the question is productivity, according to whom? Ahlul dunya or Ahlullah? And Allah is the one who tells us what's valuable. And if somebody imagines that like human contact is not the most valuable thing, they're, they're lying to you. Human contact is one of the most valuable things, especially your family contacts. That's the most valuable thing. You can have the billion-dollar 
uh, you know, in the bank. But if your immediate human relations, your family, your wife, your child, your husband, your spouse, your kids, your parents, have you have a sour relationship with them, then that money means nothing. You can't even enjoy it. What do we got from Instagram? Read me anything from Instagram because I can't see it here. The best approach to finding a sheikh is to constantly and consistently go to different gatherings, read different books, watch different videos. Just expose yourself to shiuch. Allah will guide you to what is best for you. I, for when it comes to fitness, was targeting a mentor I thought would be best for me. He never answered me, right? He promised me and everything, but he never answered me. Another one, we just, it just happened. And boom, I got a, a mentor now or a coach. Tahir Omar tells us there's some sad news. Pakistani boy killed himself over the Niagara Falls. That's very sad news. May Allah Ta'ala yani, forgive him for that and entering him into Jannah. Okay. Because it is a sin. He's not damned to hell forever for committing suicide. So we have to ask Allah forgive him and enter him into Jannah. Okay. Let me uh, read this question here, this comment that says, um, where does it say here? It was about, it was about these masajid getting soup kitchens. Can we visit La Cucina on Wednesday and try to replicate it back home? Yes. Sati is here. You can visit it Wednesday. Okay. Five, six o'clock, doors open. Come earlier at 5.30, and you can help volunteer, right? Volunteers are handpicked, but you can observe at least. You can observe how they do it. Why do I say volunteers are handpicked? Because volunteers of the soup kitchen must also have the capacity to give dawah and to teach. Just like the 114 is like running and it's hifth Qur'an, this is not a secular soup kitchen. Said it once, I say it a million times. It is soup kitchen with the intent of dawah. All of our volunteers, and some have snuck in, Without me knowing, right? But that's okay. The volunteers, the main people, the leadership must have the vision of da'wah and must have the ability to teach people the basics of Islam. Okay. Will I be at the event tomorrow at 8 p.m.? Yes, I will be. Islam in Japan, inshallah. Question on the hadith about ithmid being good for the eyes and hair growth. What type of hair are we talking about? The eyelashes. The Prophet said that when you put the black kuhl on your eyes, it's good for uh, the eyes and the growth of the eyelashes. And it's something to be done at the night in the nighttime and to washed off in the daytime. Okay. Arman Rashad. Alhamdulillah, my masjid has a local soup kitchen. Good. This is our role in America. Forget this politics. I'm telling you. What good has come from it? Tell me what good has come from it. Maybe someone can cite stories here and there. Right? Oh, you got Muslims in politics. Muslims in sports. Muslims in Hollywood. Islam, it's a religion. 
It's a granular religion. It means it comes for the everyday person and it comes for everyday things, right? That's what's going to make the difference for Islam in America is when the everyday people are just 10% different than everybody else in the sense of what they're doing, right? Just extract 10% from somebody, 5% from somebody, even 1%, right? But from a million people, all of a sudden you have a massive difference. Whereas the big things that catch your attention, Muslims in this, Muslims in that, Muslims in this, Muslims in that, it, 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 it doesn't permanently move the needle. It just slightly. Okay, we have a Muslim who won the Olympics. So, so it's, it's fleeting. But w- the true difference that will make Islam in America something that will transform the country is when every single Muslim is like 2% a contributor. That's what we need. Okay. What is M. Hamza saying uh, on Instagram, Omar? The addict not entering Jannah, no, I never. That's uh, it, it. May be there may be a hadith on that. I can't tell you. There's no hadith on that. But the addict addiction does not remove one from Islam. Therefore, there is a ability for them to be forgiven. OG Muslima, how can I start La Cusina in my city? I'm not affiliated with any masjid. Here's how you do it. You get a group of friends together. You say, "Hey, everyone, give me five bucks, and let's go." Okay. Now, if you, it's she's a Muslima. You need the guys to go into these neighborhoods if they're not good neighborhoods. But you can kick it off, and you could be the leader by saying, "Everyone, give up, kick up five bucks." In the beginning, it's just like that, right? Every Friday, so and so will go deliver the food, and you get your son, you get your husband, you get your whoever to go. And and sometimes some sisters have gone with us to see what's going on in the daytime when it was safe. Because sometimes there's a lot of drunks, there's a lot of bad things going on at nighttime. Even in the daytime, a lot of high people. So you go to the area that is filled with the fuqara walking around in the street and you hand them some burgers or you make food. But here's the thing. You corner yourself into a schedule every Friday, every Friday. I don't care what happens. Every Friday we're going out and someone is taking food from us, whether that be a big tray or many little trays or you buy sandwiches, which is inefficient cost too much money the best thing is to go out and make the food and at home trays some pasta but you no, sorry not a big tray because that's not efficient either many little trays right so you make the vat of food or the pot of food or whatever and you put it in little trays you buy the trays from amazon for like three bucks you get trays for two months right little plastic containers like uh, to-go containers at a restaurant Three, four, five, ten. That's it. But it has to be every Friday. Cannot miss a Friday. Okay? Cannot miss a Friday. And the runs, the food runs, when we used to do them, two, three minutes. Sometimes. Sometimes, literally, it's two, three minutes. We walk in, there's guys are there, take the food. Boom, we leave. But when you do it every single Friday, the snowball grows. Right? That's how it works. If a family offers me share in a halal business, but you fear the business was funded by money from riba, is this a valid reason to decline it? Yes, it is if the contract to start the business was invalid. But if the 
contract to start the business was cash that someone brought in. And there is a possibility that that cash could be also be halal. It's mixed money. Then you could take the business. Okay. And if you don't want the business, give it to me. I'll take half the business. Okay. What is the hadith regarding addicts not entering Jannah? We answered that one. Please tell us the procedure to start La Casina on our massage. That's how you do it. So, Umm Maryam, Umm Maryam, you heard, just rewind three minutes, and that's where, that's what you can get, that, uh, uh, the answer to your question. Okay. It starts by us going to them. Okay. When people see this after four or five years, it, we're talking four or five years here, right, of just doing that. Then someone swooped in and said, we'll get you, get, we're giving you guys a property. And they paid the down payment, the close, and then, and then we um, took over after that. This is, this, is, this is, if you ask me a vision for Muslims in America, it would be too simple. People, people would think it's not a vision. It is a vision. And it's the right vision. And it's what's going to work. Islam is a granular religion. Change is granular. When regular guys can do it, regular women can do it, regular human beings can do it, busy people can do it. But now you're setting it, it's, it's happening by millions upon millions of people are doing this behavior. That's where you're going to have change. It's, change is not going to come by a few people getting someone elected to a state congress or something. Someone said, well, why are you so down about that? I said, because why don't we go look if you think that Muslims getting Muslims in politics is going to change the situation, then why aren't the Muslim countries the best countries, right? Go to Pakistan. The whole government's Muslim. Where did it get them? Go to Egypt. The whole government's Muslim. Where did it get them, right? I'm down on it when people put this as this is the goal to celebrate. Like this is the big deal. I just don't see it. I don't buy it. It doesn't mean I'm 100% right about it, and it doesn't mean I'm looking at every perspective on it. It doesn't mean that the person who has an opposite opinion isn't correct. It's just my take on it. person's asking again about uh, advice for someone suicidal and depressed. If you want to repeat it. Advice for someone suicidal and depressed. Pick up the phone right now, dial 911, let them take custody of you so you don't hurt yourself. I believe that's the case. If you are suicidal, you cannot trust yourself. Call nine one one, or if you if you put on this in this in the um, chat where you're located, we'll call nine one one for you because we're obligated to by law. If anyone, by morals and by law, if anyone tells you they're suicidal, you know that we're obligated as masjid employees, right? If someone comes to the mosque and says, I got bruised, my husband hit me. I'm sorry you told me that. I have to call the police now. I have to by law, right? If someone says, I'm suicidal, well, you told me it's too late. I'm, I don't care what you say to me next. 911, come take this person. They can't guard them. They cannot be trusted with themselves. Put them on suicide watch. So if you contact us with this, we can do it for you. If you don't want to contact 911, we'll call 911 for you. Muslims like Mu'ayyin al Chishti introduced free food and lodging to the concept of South Asia as a means of dawah. Jay Perez says, when you come home, it should be met, you should meet your families immediately and not neglect them to go to work right away. 
What does it? Why do? Does anyone ever say that the Ashadis say the Quran and uh, we or, or claim that the Ashadis and Maturis say Quran is created? We say no. The Arabic language is created. Okay, and the word of Allah is the word, His word, with Himself, with no sounds, letters, languages, or beginning or end, and it is pre-eternal with Him. That is Al Kalam and Nafsi, His speech within Himself, before it was ever put on the Loh, Al Mahfuz. Before the Arabic language was ever created. And then is also his speech, and it is the Quran and is the word of Allah. Okay, when that kalam nafsi is in a way that can be recited in the Arabic language or the Hebrew language, if it was the Torah, or the I think they say Syriac if it was the Bible, and all the other languages of revelation. That is Allah's kalam lafzi. And what is between the binds of the Quran is Allah's word. And no human being has anything to do with the Quran, uh, the, the, the construction of Allah's words, all right, or the putting together Allah's words. But it is kalam. It is his speech within himself before the creation of the Arabic language and before the creation of the pen and before the creation of the loh. And then when it is that kalam is in a mode that can be recited in a created language, we call that al-kalamul lafzi, the uttered speech of Allah. It's very clear, right, Omar? Yeah. I think the Hanafis say nadm instead because naf is like... Kalamul nadmi? It's like, I don't know if they say that exactly, but like when they refer to the Quran, it's like composition. Composed, sure that's yeah. That's what they prefer. Because like, laf is like something that's coming out. Yeah, you mean maturidi. Or maturidi. Yeah. Nadmi because it was written in the Loh al-Mahfuz, right? Yes. Mason Hakes. Own a minivan, buy burgers from Turkish restaurant, deliver them to people. Thank you, Mason Hakes. Where are you from? Because you figured it out. Go to your friends next time you're hanging out with your buddies. Say, everyone, pitch in five bucks, right? Then guess what's going to happen? After a few weeks, you know, why don't we just start a nonprofit? Why? Because you guys are pitching five bucks. At least you get a tax exemption from that, right? Okay. And then, but you got to prove yourself first, right? Prove yourself first. Do it consistently for like a, a, a while every friday i'm doing this from this hour to this hour i don't care what happens why do some scholars not allow digital piracy it is an understanding today that um there is harm if we pirate the works of scholars and just take the pdf and not buy the book because it's a it's a harm right now Melody 21 says, if, a per, if, if you get lack of response from a person or a teacher, does that mean that they're not for you? Well, if you are persistent and they persistently don't answer you ever and they're not benefiting you at all, then you can't take them as a teacher because they, they, they're not talking to you. But they don't respond to you once or twice. No, you need to also be persistent. Okay? And there are teachers who ignore the first knock on the door. They just ignore it because they want persistence. They want you to have strength, right? How long would it be until you notice benefits of sin, addiction, abstention? Immediately. Okay. You will notice the benefits when you are not committing some kind of sin. You should feel on your conscience, at least, that you are no longer displeasing Allah. All right. What if you have low tolerance to sins? 
but I end up hating sinners for committing sins. Now, we shouldn't hate the people who fall into things. We should hate the people who are happy and love those things. That is the person who is an enemy to goodness. Someone who loves these things. What, do you, what, what was the difference? A guy who was in need of money, he goes into a, a, a little 7-Eleven, puts his gun in the air and says, empty the register, takes 150 bucks and leaves, then gets caught. Two guys do this. One guy gets caught, puts his head down and says, I, I screwed up. I did something bad. I'm sorry. Other guys laugh and I'm happy I would do it again. Right? Is there a difference? Of course. Difference. Big difference. Yeah, we can try to do a Tassof 101 podcast, inshallah. Uh, what about doing the soup kitchen only in the wintertime? I, I know I disagree with that because you lose your momentum. It's got to be every week. Can you turn on automatic captions? I don't know how to do that. Maybe Omar knows. Abdul Mu'id, can you suggest a path for non-Arabs to learn Arabic? Yes, very easily. Arcview.org, right? We are now this this uh, this week. We will be opening up registration, or at least Monday, probably by Monday, Tuesday. We'll be opening up registration for the new Arabic track. When you come and visit La Cocina, you're seeing us in our, like, eighth year of work, right? Eight years. So it's not everyone's not going to start like this. And that's the thing. If you have the stomach and you have the uh, ability to tolerate the, the, the simplicity of something, the glory-free nature of a task, you'll succeed. But if someone you know only wants to see the end result and wants that right away, then don't don't go for that. All right, NN. What's the question for NN? What is NN's question that they say I skipped? Oh no, no, I'm not answering that. I get into that. Um, most dargas in the subcontinent have a langar. La Langer, I guess we're not, we can call it in Urdu. Uh, but La Cocina, go to lacocina367.org and pitch in because this week, um, no, next, what is it, next week? Next Saturday, we're giving school supplies to the kids. Okay. Daisy Muslims should support things like La Cocina because their ancestors came to Islam that way, says Talib Razi, thank you very much. So you can support it at lacocina367.org. Okay. Can I apply to work in hair transplantation? Yes, you may. Hair transplantation is permitted in some of that and forbidden in others because some schools say that you cannot benefit from yourself, your body. Your body is not a source of benefit. In other words, you can't like take part of my body, put it in another part. However, others have said, no, it is because to lose hair, it's aib. It's a flaw in the body. It's a, it's a, a something that you, it's not how Allah created people. Allah created you with a head of hair. So if you lose it, you are permitted to put it back, right? Uh, so 
there is difference of opinion because there's a difference of opinion. Uh, you may work there and you may help people have a full head of hair and uh, consider that even charitable work too. Like it's a good deed. The Madikiya were against it. The Hanabila were for it. All right, probably the Shafi'i would also be permissive of it. I don't know what the Hanafis would say. But there's istikhtilaf. It's a new matter too. Yeah. What does it mean that why was Imam al-Bukhari exiled out of his city? He was exiled because an extremist group, they were not an extremist group, but on this issue they were extreme. And it was his own, one of his previous teachers. Okay. Um, Abu Muhammad al... What is it? His name is always forgotten. Uh, Abu Muhammad... Something with a dhal or a dha. But anyway... He would go so extreme to say the Quran is not created that he would even say the, your recitation of the Quran is not created, which contradicts the Quran. Allah says, "Khalaqakum wa ma Thank you, Umm Maryam got it down. Abu Muhammad al-Zuhali, and in Sahih Bukhari, Imam Bukhari only mentions him as Abu Muhammad. This is an ibham, so that people know that he's not endorsing his innovation. That is an innovation. You're directly contradicting the Quran when Allah says, He created you and what you do. And you now turn around and say that the, your recitation of the Quran is not created. And this is an example as Qadr Iyad says, the literalists are people who wanted to preserve the religion, but ended up stepping on other foundations of the religion in order to protect the religion. Qadi Ayyad, when he speaks about the, the, the literalists, this is what he says about them. He says, they sought to protect the religion from one innovation, but they ended up committing another innovation or you know, rejecting something else that needed to be rejected. That's his analysis of the innovators, the literalists. We don't, we're not literalists. Are 40-day hatam after relative dies from the tradition? Not necessarily, no. It's not necessary. There's nothing from the sunnah. There's nothing from fiqh that to do the 40-day khatam. Yet at the same time, if it's a gathering, and it's the gathering in itself, there's nothing wrong with it. And you do ihda' al-thawab, you, you, you gift the good deeds to that person. That in itself, I'll tell you, what is an innovation is to say that the 40 is a sunnah. Whether you did it on the 39. Now, does somebody, did some wali have some mukashafa about the 40 days? Allahu alam, but it still wouldn't be a hujjah for us. In the, in the sense that we would not say this is a sunnah, this is a special day. That stuff we won't say. However, the concept of gathering, giving sadaqah and food, and reciting the Quran and making dua, and doing isalu thawab to the person is permitted. And you get good deeds for that. It's just the belief about the 40 days has no foundation from Quran or, or Hadith. Cat Muslim says, how to be motivated to continue ibadah at home after you come back from the masjid. Sometimes uh, the home and the masjid, they're two different vibes. And you should accept that and be happy with that, right? Masjid, I'm able to do one thing because the environment suits me. At home, the environment doesn't suit you the same way. The masjid, everyone's supporting you. 
in the masjid to do ibadah. The environment supports you. So don't try to go against the grain. If you want to do ibadah in the masjid, in your home, create a little mosque in your home. Create a room that nothing happens in this home except salah and recitation of Quran. Put all the masahif there, and anytime you want to pray, go there, if your house is big enough. But don't also overdo yourself and make yourself fail, okay? Because you're trying to do something in an environment that doesn't work. Especially a big home with a lot of people. It's not the environment for serious action. Right? So environment is really important. Okay. Who is Imam Teftazani? One of the biggest um, theology, theologians we have. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, we have to end it right here. Jazakum Allah khairan, everybody. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر We'll see you next Monday بإذن الله تعالى والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله Jesus.